Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we are going through the letter to the Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's one of the letters that's known as the prison letters. He wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome. And we're really going to see from these letters Paul's struggle for joy, which really kind of is where we're at, right? Because we have... If you are trying to do what God's wanting you to do, if you're trying to live the way that he wants you to live, you're going to find that it's not easy. It's actually a struggle. It's actually quite difficult. It's actually something that at points you're going to wonder, what's the use? Why not just give in? Why not just give it up? And so we're seeing here through this passage things that you and I need to to grasp and to hold in our lives, to help us to persevere, to continue on, to realize that joy is possible in this life. We're not talking about happiness, but we're talking about joy, joy that comes from a satisfaction of your soul. Because God is real to you. Now, last couple of weeks we looked at Paul's prayer. Now he's going to get right into his message for them. And we're going to see, we're going to look at specifically verses 12 through 18 today. We're we're going to see that Paul's going to talk about what he lives for. We're going to see what his purpose is and what brings joy to his life. Now, I thought that this would be, because we're going to start looking at this, I thought that this would be a good place for us to talk about what are we living for. Well, I'm living for God, George. Really? Is there joy in your life? What are you living for? What is it that you are striving for in your life? And so I've got two points I want to give you, and then we're going to look at Paul, what he says here in these verses. So first, I want you to understand is that each of us are living for something. Each of us are living for something. For some of you, it might simply be The American dream. So let me just stop for a moment. If you're living for the American dream, that's futile because the American dream always changes. What do you mean? Well, I remember what the American dream was when I was a kid. I remember as being a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, the concept of the American dream in my family was having a car with air conditioner and having a colored TV. Because we had a car with no air conditioner, and you had to roll the windows down in the summer and hope it didn't rain. Because we lived in the Carolinas where it was hot. And if it rained, you had to roll the window up, and then the windows got all fogged up. Did you know what I'm saying? How many remember those days? Okay. Or you had the big, big black and white TV that you had to beat on. To get the picture right. 
And then you heard about people who were really doing well who got a color TV. Do you remember that? Well, that emphasis of having that back then was known as having the what? The American dream. Fulfilling the American dream. Well, you know what? Now, if you if people would laugh at you to say, what are you striving for? Air conditioner in my car and a color TV? Really? You're not living for much. But that's what some of you are living for. Maybe it's the American dream, what you can have. Some of you, what you live for is your kids. And that's noble. And that's good. But one day they grow up. One day they leave. Maybe you have a falling out with them. Maybe they're taken from you. And then all of a sudden, there's emptiness there. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe what you live for is work. And that's wonderful, and they love that you're giving your all, and you're giving the hours, and, and you're pumping in the time, and until there's a change in management, change in ownership, till they decide that they need to downsize, or they're moving, and all of a sudden, they don't need you anymore, because they're not taking you with them, and you don't really want to leave. What are we living for? Is it for your marriage? Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it for your hobby? There, there's, we, each of us is living for something. Have you noticed that? You're living for something. I'm living for something. You're living for something. Hopefully as we get older we realize that the stuff that we're living for is meaningless. Why? Because here's my second point. We believe that it will bring fulfillment and joy. Whatever you're living for, you have this concept that it's going to bring in your life fulfillment and joy. So at some point, you know, if you're living for your kids, you just believe that it, I'm just going to do everything for them. I'm going to be there for them because that's where your fulfillment comes from. That's where your joy comes from. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's not going to come there. They can't fill it in your life. They can't bring you true joy in your life. And maybe some of us need to grasp that before it's too late. Because it can't be your children. It can't be work. Work can't bring it to you. It can't be your hobby. It can't be stuff. We're all living for something. Do you know what I'm saying? And we've got this concept that we believe that it's going to bring fulfillment and joy in our life. And here's what we find. The more we strive for it, the more meaningless our lives become, the more empty our lives become, the more we're not happy. Have you noticed that? Let me me put it to you this way. We believe that all these things, if we could just get them, if we could just devote our time to them, we will have joy. And so we spend our time and our effort and our our thinking and everything we do and our focus is on those things. And if somebody were to ask us the question, how are you feeling today? I can almost guarantee you we don't say, well, I'm, I'm happy. Do you have joy? 
What's that? Because it can't. If anything, it produces, can I be honest with you, it's, it's like a vacuum cleaner. It sucks you in. And you find yourself trapped in this spiral of trying to find joy but never finding it. So you say, okay, George, well, yeah, man, you've really laid it out there. That's where I'm at. What do we do about that? Where are we at on that? Well, let's look at, look at somebody who, who's writing from prison who has joy. But look at where his focus is. Look at what he's living for. And maybe that will challenge us to change what we're living for. So look with me. Look with me at verse 12. Look at what he says here. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preached Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice, and yes, will rejoice. So, okay, George, what, what do we got here? Well, let's, let's take these verses. I'm going to divide it into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, his example, and then we're going to see different motives. His example, what he's living for, what we can learn from that, and then we're going to see different motives for what people are living for. Okay? His example, first of all, I want you to notice with me that from verse 12, he saw everything in terms of living for God. He saw everything in terms of living for God. Look at what he says there. Let me help you to understand what he's saying here. He says, but I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me. What things is he talking about that happened to him? Well, he's talking about being taken captive. He's talking about being beaten. He's talking about enduring the hardship of a Roman jail system. He's talking about the struggle he's going through, the difficult, terrible circumstances that he's going through. And here's what he wants you to see, that it, it actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Huh? He's looking at everything from the perspective of what he's living for. He's living for what? God. He's living for Jesus. So that even when he's thrown in prison, falsely imprisoned, facing death, he looks at it as a good thing. Why? It all comes from the perspective of what he's living for. All come from the perspective of what he's living for. 
what he's living for. Look what else he here he says. He says, such a life allows others to see the gospel. He's got that perspective so that even in his affliction, even in his chains, he is, listening to me, looking at it in terms of living for God, and he's excited because what he's going through gives others the opportunity to see Jesus. In fact, who he's talking about here, he said it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Now what's that? That's the Petroleum guard. That was the personal guard, the personal bodyguard of who? Caesar. So because of what he's going through and because he's living his life for Jesus, he realizes that what he's going through is having an impact on other people. In a positive sense. Now, let's back up for a moment. What kind of impact is your life having? Now, that'll depend on what you're living for. I mean, if you're living for yourself, you'll have a minimal impact. See, if you're living for the kids... That's only going to be a minimal impact. If you're living for the workplace, it's only going to be a minimal impact. But if you're living your life for God, you don't know how God will use it and the impact he will make. Now let me just stop for a moment because immediately, as soon as I say living your life for God, here's what some of you do because you've been around church a long time. You're going to say, okay, well I'm doing because I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to Botswana as a missionary. I'm not going to do that. So, might as well tune this all out. Because I'm not doing that. God's not calling me to do that. So, I don't understand what living for God is. Because that's what living for God is. No, no, no. You don't understand. We have a wrong concept here. That is not living for God. Living for God is making God the focus of your life and the reason why you do what you do. Whether you are a ditch digger or a pastor. Whether you are a businessman or a union member. Whether you're in the military or something else. The purpose and the focus of your life, no matter where you're at, as a housewife or not, is that you are living your life wherever you are for God, for Him. Because that you realize that's where your true joy comes from. That's where true fulfillment comes from. So you live your life there. And that's what he's doing. So he's able to, even in spite of the difficult circumstances that he's going through, he's able to, listen to me, he's able to look at it and say, hey, this is going okay. And look at the impact I'm having. Look at the lives who are taking notice of the one that I'm living for, God. So he goes on. What else does he do here? What else is his example? He points out in verse 14 that such a life encourages others to live for God. Such a life 
encourages others to live for God. When you see somebody whose focus is not on all these other things, but their focus is they're going to live their life for Jesus, and, and, and no matter what they do, whether it's as a businessman, whether it's as a ditch digger, whether it's as a union member, or somebody in management, they, they're, they're living their lives for Jesus. That impacts others because others can see, hey, you know, you're not motivated by the same things I'm motivated by. You're motivated by something else. What is it? How can you keep your peace in the midst of what you're going through? How can you do that? And so it encourages others. It encourages others to live for God, for Jesus. So notice now, verse 15 and 18. Because you say, okay, well, I'm going to live for God then. I'm going to live for Him. Well, you've got to be careful because there can be two different, two different motives for you and I. As far as our living for God, and so we need to make sure we have the right motives. What are they? Well, verse 17 tells us that some live only for themselves. You can sit here and you can say, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to live for God, but your living for God is for yourself. Look at what he says there, verse 15 to 16. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. So he's saying, Paul says, you know what, some were motivated to share because of my life and my living for God, but their whole reasoning for doing it wasn't pure. It was for selfish ambition and what they could get from it. It was purely for themselves. All right, now let's stop. This is a good point then. Let's go back and look at what I just said and take this point. Remember I said to you that we all live for something. Every one of us lives for something. And we believe that that something is going to bring fulfillment and joy. Now the problem is, is the stuff that we live for, all the stuff, hobbies, family, marriages, work, kids, school, I mean whatever, whatever we live for, we all know that it just sucks us into this cycle, and we never have what? Joy or fulfillment. It never brings about what we think it will bring about. Well, here comes Paul. Paul tells us, rather, like him, live for who? God. Sounds easy. The problem is, is that there's a right way to live for God, and there's a wrong way. Because what's got to happen is, is just like when you're striving for family or you're living for this, that, or another over here that doesn't bring joy, you can live for God in the wrong way because the issue isn't what I'm living for. That's number one. Number two is why am I living for it? What do you mean, George? I can live for all that. But the reasons why I live for all that is not for my kids. It's for what I get for myself because I live for my kids. I can live for work. It's not for work I live for. It's what I get for it myself. That's selfishness, right? 
See, if, and you could come and you can hear the message and say, okay, well, I need to live for God now. But if your motivation for why you're doing it doesn't change, and so now you live for God, but you're living for God for your own selfishness, you're never going to have fulfillment. You're never going to have fulfillment. See, you've got a wrong motive there. Is everybody tracking with what I'm saying here? Are you tracking? I'm not confusing you. The reality is, listen to me, why are you doing what you're doing? So the proper thing is we want to live our lives for God, but we got to have what? The right motive. And some people, I'll just be flat out honest with you, have the wrong motive. Now, we've seen that in church, right? You know what I'm saying? So we see that some do it out of only for themselves. Some live only for themselves. Now, here's the other thing. Some live out of pure motives. That's where we want to be. Some live out of pure motives. Some live out of pure motives because they want to live for God because they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for who? The Lord. And that brings what? Joy. In fact, look with me. In fact, this is his attitude because he's living for God. He's got this attitude even about the guy who's living for the Lord for the wrong reasons. Look at what he says. Either way, he rejoices that God's word is proclaimed. That's a guy who's living out of the right motives. Because he rejoices that either way, God's word is proclaimed. Here's what God's showing me. But rather, I need to live for the Lord for pure motives. Do you know what I'm saying? See, we all, str- I struggle like you do, right? Right? We're human. We're real. And what the apostles trying to tell us, what we can look at here from him is his example of what it means to live for something that's right. That will bring us joy. It's living for God. And even when I live for God, I get, I gotta get, have, make sure that my what? My motives are what? Right. It's okay. So there you are. You want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. We said that last week. A lot of you said, yeah, George, I want to go deeper. So you understand. You understand what he's doing in your life. You understand the confidence. You understand what you need to be working for in your life. We talked about that already here in the last two weeks. So now it's a question of what you've got to wrestle with this week is this. What are you living for? So, okay, let's, let's wrap it up. So let's bring it down. Here we are. Okay? So the first question you've got to ask yourself is, is what are you living for? Take some time. And be honest. Mom or dad, if it's the kids, write that down. Make a mental note somewhere. You know what? I'm, I'm, to be honest with yourself, I'm living for my kids. Or I'm living for myself. Or I'm living for my marriage. Or if, if, if it's work, it's work. 
it's your ambition, it's your ambition. Write that down. What, what are you living for? Because I, I can almost guarantee you the, the lack of joy in your life, you can trace it to what you're living for. Because rather than giving you life and joy, it's actually sucking it away from you. Because you've got your focus in the wrong place. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? What, what, are, what are you living for? And then number two, does it lead only to emptiness? You've got to ask yourself that question. I mean, what are you living for? And, and just be flat out honest, does it lead only to emptiness? So, And, and, and you'll know because you'll find yourself, you, you'll, if you're really serious in taking a good self-examination of yourself, you, you'll see what you're filling your life with to fill the emptiness. And so... You know, I've already said for me it's a, it's a diet pop and a cheeseburger. But for someone else it might be something else. Might be sex. Might be alcohol. Might be any number of things. Chocolates. You know, I, I just was I just read something where a guy he lost a hundred pounds and he said how how did you do that he said well one of the things i read there was is he said every time i felt empty or stressed i would eat chocolate so i quit eating chocolate what what is it that that we're trying what is it that we're trying to fill i mean that reveals an emptiness why are we empty because that's what we're living for do you understand what I'm saying? So what are you living for? Does it lead to emptiness? I think if we just focus on that this week, you'll be surprised. So what do we do with that? Here's what you got to do. you got to ask. Here's your action point. Ask the Spirit to help you to redirect your life's purpose. Because you're not, you can say, okay, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to live for Jesus. Changing my motive. It ain't that easy. Because you're going to revert back to default, what you were living for before. And somebody's got to hit the reset button in your life. Do you know what I mean? You understand what a reset button is? You know, when your phone's acting up and acting all weird, they tell you to, to what? Turn it off so it can what? Reset? You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to hit the reset button in your life. And that only is the Holy Spirit. So ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you to what? Redirect your life. Now, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. You've got to do the first two things first before you get to this point. What? You've got to do the first two things first before you get to this point. Because you've got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, what am I living for? What am I living for? And then you've got to be honest with yourself that whatever it is that you're living for is only producing what in your life? Emptiness. Because only then do you realize how much there's got to be a change. And at that point, you go to the Spirit and you say to Him, I need you to help me redirect my life. I can't do it without you. I can't. 
That's what we need to do. I hope that you do that this week. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.